And welcome back to the Dynamic Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Saunders. And today we have a very special interview coming up for you. Um, one of my favorite things to do on this show is to break down tactical advice to give you actionable, tangible items to walk away with that can help improve your fundraising efforts. And we have a tremendous guest um, who's going to help us do exactly that. Um, he has emerged as one of um, the leading thought leaders on email fundraising and is certainly one of my favorite reads online. He is John Walsh, an email marketing manager at a large Christian nonprofit, and we're very pleased to welcome him to the show right now. John Walsh, welcome to the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast. Thank you, Dan. It's wonderful to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And um, before we dig into all the tactics, um, we like to start off by giving our audience an opportunity to get to know you. For those that um, haven't um, yet connected with you online, I'm sure you'll have a lot of new fans after this interview. Um, would you mind walking us through your fundraising origin story and uh, kind of telling us um, how you got into the industry and how you got to where you are today? Yes. So I began my digital career as a social media manager in a healthcare facility. And this is where I began to see the power of digital communications and the effect that it has on people and with organizations. From there, I learned how social media interacts with other forms of online communication. And I took a position as a digital marketing manager at a for-profit business-to-business uh, -business company that worked with government and healthcare. And so for that, I was responsible for all the content marketing, uh, the designing of the website, email, and social media. Then I was given the opportunity to work as an email marketer at this nonprofit where I'm at now. Uh, and I just love it here. I love working with nonprofits. I get to feel like in my own small way that I'm helping people make a change in a, in a large way. So yeah, it's just, it's just been great working in nonprofit and learning all there is to learn about communications and online communications in particular. Well, uh, we appreciate you giving us your background story. Um, a question I have for you is I'm always fascinated because there's so many um, dynamic thinkers who are in the nonprofit space who came from outside of the space. There aren't a lot of traditional paths into this industry. I'm just curious, your experience in the for-profit commercial world um, was there anything that you think has really helped you um, one, when, get into fundraising and become a, an effective fundraiser? And is there anything that um, surprised you coming from uh, the for-profit sector to the nonprofit? Yeah, so I do like to think that I kind of bring a, a unique view to our organization because I come from nonprofit or from, excuse me, because I come from for-profit uh, and I like to take a lot of the techniques and strategies and things that worked for myself and other and other companies in the for-profit world and bring them and adapt them to nonprofits. A lot of the stuff that I don't see nonprofits do uh, that I think would, you know, and actually has brought, brought great results. Um, and so one of the things I've kind of been surprised with coming from the for-profit to the nonprofit is just, um, I mean, it's been great. Uh, just the just the love of a cause and helping people. Um, it's a new it's a new way of thinking as far as uh, working with donors and getting into that mindset as opposed to a, a consumer mindset. But a donor mindset is very unique, and it's just it's just been great. I think that uh, a lot of it has been uh, a learning process for myself, but also being willing to 
to bring things that that are new and innovative that that for-profit uses that really works well with nonprofits if you just adapt it and give it a chance. And getting into the tactical advice, is there um, is there a, a trend or two that you've been able to bring over from the commercial world to test out um, for your nonprofit fundraising efforts that you found to be particularly successful? Yeah, absolutely. We actually just finished one up here a couple months ago. We started something new for our organization that many companies use. Um, and I don't really see a whole lot of nonprofits use, and that is a welcome email series. So an email series that uh, comes from uh, lead gen opportunities, whether it's through social media or uh, or online. Um, but what happens is these individuals, you know, fill out a form and they are automatically triggered into a welcome series. And the welcome series is really cool because it it allows people to get to know our organization in an easy way. Um, and so it's, it, it's just, we've just seen it really work. It's actually the email series itself uh, comes from a real person. It actually, somebody who works here, it's from somebody who works here. The email looks like it's from a real person. It is from a real person. So of course it looks like it, you know, we've actually stripped out all the images and the, the buttons and all the color and just made it a very simple email. And really the, one of the really cool things about this welcome series that, uh, that is, it was just really neat that actually for profits, I don't know that they use is that all the replies from the email go to a person in our organization. And so these new individuals can have a conversation with our organization directly from these emails, which is, which has been really great. Um, uh, we know that welcome series work very well in the for profit, usually about, you know, usually the open rates very high. Uh, and so we, we ran that starting in May right at the height of COVID. Um, ours is a five email series. So five emails once a week. We've seen an open rate, uh, general open rate of a 26%, which is very high. Uh, and a conversion rate, believe it or not, at the end of the emails, we do ask. At the end of the fifth email, we ask for a donation. And we actually have seen a 23% conversion rate on that, that series. So it's been really fantastic for us. That That's remarkable. And, and I think what's What's so game changing about this type of approach is one of the criticisms about email fundraising is that if you're just going out and directly asking for money, the scalability could be an issue compared to other channels. And where I've seen is where you can really scale digital fundraising is if you're able to successfully go out, acquire leads, bring them in and then converge them, uh, uh, convert them. Of course, the conversion part is the the harder part of that. And there certainly is a lot of discussion within the industry about the importance of welcome series. Um, do you have any practical advice for nonprofits who are thinking about introducing a welcome series or may have had some that were not very successful at converting leads into donors? What are a couple elements that, uh, from your experience, you would say make for a successful welcome series? Sure. Yeah. And I can understand that because really before this welcome series, we were sending a lot of, we were doing a lot of lead gen and they weren't converting at the rate they are now with this, this welcome series. So I, I can understand that, that, that point of view. Um, and I think, I think from, uh, for our standpoint, what we've really tried to do with this welcome series is, is really develop and cultivate a relationship through four or five emails really have help people understand who we are as an organization 
really also give back to them at, at an early stage. So provide resources for them. Really uh, also give uh, impact stories and just really just share who our organization is, develop a relationship with them over, for us, it's almost, you know, almost f- it's five weeks. And then, and then uh, we've, we found that people are more willing to donate after that because they, they feel already more connected to the organization than they do if you just go from, you know, here's a lead gen, you signed a form, uh, here's maybe one email about our organization, and now we're going to ask you for money. Right. So they already feel more invested. They also feel like you care about them because you're providing valuable resources to them. You're asking them questions. And so, yes, that, that's really what we have found um, to work. And just to be even more specific, if you want. So that that organi- that our five email stream, the first email is a basic thank you. Thank you for your interest in our organization. Here's our mission statement. Here's our history. Another email offers another, actually two emails offer them free resources. So in our case, it offers them a devotion um, just for them, no strings attached. Uh, And then the really, one of my favorite emails from that series is a ask for their prayer request email. So in that email, we ask them, how can we pray for you? And this goes back to my earlier statement about all the replies go to a real person. So and the individual gets this email, asks them, how can we pray for you? A person can reply, hit the reply button and write, I need prayers in this area. That reply comes to us. We then pray for them. And then we respond back to them saying, hey, just want to let you know today we prayed for you regarding X, Y, Z. Um, and so that's a really great, great email as far as that building the relationship, showing that we care about them. And then after that, our last email just kind of shares an impact story about how our organization and how they, through our organization, really, they, through our organization, can have an impact. And so that's really when we ask them at the very end for for a donation or for a gift. So so the three themes that I pick out of that are... um all of these emails are geared towards fundamentally offering value to the donor. So it's not so much about the importance of the organization and educating the donor about the organization as making sure that the donor perceives that these emails are valuable. And I imagine that's critical for establishing a relationship where they're going to want to open your emails and expect that there's something useful and interesting every time they get it. Um, The other aspect um, or aspects are, um, emphasizing impact at the end, talking about the people, the beneficiaries who the organization is helping. But the real um, interesting thing in here is is just that human element that you're establishing right off the bat, that this is a two-way relationship, that if they reply to your emails, that somebody will get it and actually respond to them. And there's a real human element. Can you describe um, the importance of that? Um, and this can be an anecdote, or if you have feedback from donors that you can share about what kind of impression that makes onto a donor when they know that there's another, uh, a real person on the other end of that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think I can give you some, some good anecdotes. I know that we've received a lot of messages from individuals, uh, and a lot of them are surprised, to be honest, because we are a large organization, and uh, most emails that anybody gets in their email inbox, it doesn't matter if it's a for-profit or non-for-profit. If you hit reply, you really don't expect anybody to get back to you unless it's like a customer service email. 
Uh, but really, that's not the intention of email, right? I mean, the intention of email is, is to have a conversation with people. Uh, and so we do bring back that, that human element, like you said. And I think some of the comments that we've gotten is, you know, really are just really simple, but really heartfelt. Just thank you. You don't know how much that means to us to know that you're praying for us praying for my circumstances, just simple things like, like that are really heartwarming and really know that these emails are making a difference. They're really helping people. Um, and they're really making a connection with them. And so, yeah, I mean, I think those are some of the, just some of the kind of replies that we get back, just the thank yous and the, uh, we appreciate it. We're praying for you. A lot of times we'll get, you know, a lot of times we'll reciprocate and say, just so you know, we're praying for you as well. And, and it's just a great feeling. And I, that's what we're really going for is, is building connections with people, like you mentioned, a, a human connection. And we can do it on a way that is scalable, right? So this is an automated email. I don't send out each email every day. They're automatically imported. Uh, the email is set up, but a lot of the human elements that you're talking about were intentional when we designed it, as far as the, as far as the copy goes and as far as the offers go, they're all they were all intentionally um, designed to focus on on the people. And, and I love how you're you're taking out images and you're not using templates and you're making you're replicating the the look and feel of a email relationship that somebody would have with their friends or family. I think that's super important off the bat because it. It's unique. Uh, people are conditioned to automated emails and not thinking and either seeing do not reply, which I think um, if you're a nonprofit, doesn't send the right me message. Um, or just assuming that this is going into an automated black hole that nobody will ever read. So I can imagine that people are really taken back when they get a response from a person on the other side. And it really emphasizes just how important that human connection is. And, and I think sometimes when we think about email welcome series, we overthink it a little bit, um, thinking that they need to be these um, glossy documents or thinking about what kind of, or creating content from scratch and that it has to be this long, prolonged process. But if you really kind of think, boil it down to those bullets of delivering value, establishing a human connection and demonstrating impact, that um, this is really something any organization can do. And, and on, the, on the theme about um, resources and times that, time that it takes to develop, the, uh, to develop this type of program, uh, we had a very interesting conversation offline about the unsiloed structure of your organization and how you're able to report purpose content from other channels uh, or from other departments. Can you talk a little bit about that and how um, how the unsiloed structure of your organization helps make for an efficient program, which you're able to scale? Yeah, absolutely. This is really how we were able to make this welcome series happen. And really a lot of our initiatives happen through the unsiloed approach. Um, as you mentioned, we do have, you know, we have departments and, you know, there's a, a digital department, there's a direct mail department, communications department, and they all have their, they all have the way they do things and their strategy. And, and it works for them, which is great. If you're, if you're doing direct mail, what direct mail does works for direct mail. Um, as you know, what works for direct mail may, may or may not work for email or social media or anything else. So what we found works for, uh, for our organization to kind of break down those silos 
is we actually just meet uh, one person from each team meets usually about twice a month. And, and it depends. It's usually based around certain segments for us. So in the case of a welcome series, we call them our, our new names. And they're people who are new to our organization, have no background and maybe no knowledge. And so we meet as a team, usually somebody from direct mail, somebody from communications, and myself from the digital team, uh, a writer, uh, a, a few other people, the, the person who does lead gen ads on Facebook. We all meet in a room and then we, we discuss the different ways that that something like this can work, right? And so when you have everybody in a room, especially for us with different departments, I can speak to the lead gen person and ask them right then and there, well, you know, how does this work from your standpoint? And then once I understand from their, once I understand from their standpoint, how something works, I can make the transition to email better and direct mail can get involved and say, you know, well, this is what would work for us. And maybe if we adapted it this way, you know, it'd work for direct mail. And, and, and there's just so much more communication that happens when we break down these walls between the departments. And, and really, as we've seen through this and a few other things, we've seen more success, right? Because we're doing really what's best for the organization as a whole, not what's best for the department. And I think I love, I love what you described and it really just goes to show the power of putting all of the stakeholders in the same room together. And it sounds so simple, but I have found that the, that's when you find discussions about when someone else is doing something that might be able to be leveraged for um, another department or for fundraising. And in a lot of cases, one of the things that I find in discussion that's overwhelming when you start talking about developing welcome series or really anything new, because we all have limited resources as fundraisers, is the time aspect. But in a lot of cases, and, and your structure is a great example of this, you may have a programming team or a marketing communication team that is you already has content that then could be repurposed for fundraising. So I love that you have everybody in the same room and you're looking for uh, synergies and, and ways to um, improve your program using existing assets of the organization. I think that's really just a tremendous example for the sector and a way that you can do very innovative things without necessarily creating a lot of work for your department. Yeah, absolutely. We try to adapt as much as we can instead of creating from scratch. And that's, like you said, that's why these meetings are so great because we will mention, hey, this might this is a great email idea. And then somebody from another department will say, well, we have a great, you know, ebook about that or a great, you know, brochure that we could we could turn into an online, uh, you know, an on online ebook or, or a PDF. And, you know, that just saved us right there so much time instead of creating a whole new resource. We already have it. And why aren't we using it? And yeah, it, it has been great. It's also given us, myself, a whole new perspective when I work with other people from teams, a whole new understanding of of their perspectives and what they're trying to do and uh, why certain things work for them. And and there's just been more collaboration. So yeah, it's it's really been quite eye-opening. We, we didn't talk about this offline, so I, I apologize if I'm putting you on the spot, but I think that type of structure really speaks to the culture of the organization and um, the unselfish mentality that people need to have to be in a collaborative atmosphere. Can you talk a little bit about 
the importance of culture and how that allows to have this type of collaborative relationship with different departments who may have different individual goals from you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it, has, it is part of our culture. We have hallmarks that, that are part of our culture that are ingrained in us. Uh, responsiveness is one of them. Collaboration is one of them. Is, and so it's not about, as I said before, it, you know, it's not, it's so easy to get into the world of, you know, this is, this is my world and I want to succeed. At least I think so. And, and to kind of break away from that and say, you know, it's really not about an email, so to speak, succeeding. It's, it's really about the organization succeeding. Um, and it's really a selflessness about saying, you know, other people can bring things to the table too. Um, even if they are from different departments, a lot of the great suggestions that we've had, you know, doesn't mean just because you're from direct mail doesn't mean that they can't speak into emails. There have been great suggestions because um, we're all people, right? And we always want what is best for the organization. And I, I think that's that's really, like you said, it really starts with culture. Uh, it really starts with looking at, you know, the individuals and uh, the, the people who are interested in our organization and, and doing what's best for them and, and helping them come along. And I think when we do that, it, it helps our organization succeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find more and more talking to uh, people who are working at organizations that have successfully unsiloed that um, it really does start with the culture and everyone being ingrained and having a team first approach and we're all working towards the same mission. And I have found that when that's in place, a lot of these things happen organically. It's a little bit hard to get everybody to change their mindset if you don't have that culture in place to begin with. But I think it speaks volumes for organizations that are making it work so seamlessly. Um, you had mentioned direct mail. And I think in talking to you, I'm really interested to get your perspective on this because you're demonstrating how scalable email fundraising is as a standalone uh, channel and that it can be a self-sustaining program. Um, what are your thoughts or your experiences on the potential to pair email with other channels such as direct mail or texting? And um, how, do you see, how do you see these different channels working together moving forward? Yeah, I think how I see this working best is when all these channels are working together. So, so email can be a, a standalone communication, a, a form of communication like it is somewhat with this, this welcome series, right? We don't really have texts that go with it. We don't have any direct mail pieces that go with it. It's just email. And, and that, 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 is very, that does a very nice job. But I, I do think it's more powerful when we can combine other forms of communication, other channels. So an omni-channel, uh, multi-channel whatever uh, word you want to use for that. Uh, and so we do find, and we have some great examples of when we use direct mail in conjunction with our email. Uh, a lot of times we, you know, once a couple times a month, we'll send out a direct mail piece and an email piece that is very, very much like that direct mail piece. Um, and we found really that, that they complement each other. So we know that, that for us, that email that goes along with the direct mail piece is probably our highest fundraising email. 
each month or twice a month. And then we know we pretty good. We, we know uh, that from the direct mail, I've, I've at least had conversations with them that they have said, you know, when we send an email alongside a direct mail piece that they receive more direct mail response. So we found that when they work in conjunction, it's so much better than when they work standalone. And I do see that going forward, right? So like you mentioned, we have texting. Uh, we don't use too much texting yet, yet as far as fundraising goes, but I do see that in the future as people get used to it. Um, and I, I think the, you know, as people are open to it and as you can get people's permission and know where people want to be reached, the more you can reach them, the better. One of the, the pushbacks I get sometimes in talking about um, unsiloed multi-channel approach is that statistically a very small percentage of donors will become multiple channel donors and give on multiple channels. And my view has been that um, it's the touch points that are important and that that value can um, can demonstrate itself in conversions downstream on another channel. Are, are you, and it sounds like maybe um, th this is what you were saying with the email direct mail combination, but is it your belief or your experience that if somebody is a direct mail donor and they're receiving valuable content from the organization via email or via text or, or on social media, that those digital interactions can make for better, more valuable direct mail donors, even if they never give to one of the other channels? Yes, absolutely. I'm a firm belief believer in that. Um, we need to have other touch points if they give on them or not, whether it's email or social media, the website is another touch point. The, this is the way that we build relationships with people sometimes um, online. So we don't, and we don't have a clear way, we try, but we don't have a clear way of tracking ways to see, you know, did a person, you know, respond to a social media per post, maybe open an email a couple days later, and then who who even knows two months later, maybe they, you know, they donated off of a direct mail piece, right? But those touch points, like you mentioned, are so important because right in there is where we're, where we are building the relationship. They're seeing a social media post. Maybe they're seeing the impact that we're having. Uh, an email, maybe they're seeing the 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 ministry that's being done. Uh, the the events that are happening, all right. But maybe they're not responding yet. Maybe they're just maybe just they're just warming up. Maybe they're just watching you to see how you're going to inter interact with them, right? And then then they're ready. And and I do like you said, feel these these touch points are so important. Even if you are not seeing uh, a direct response from them, I think they're important to keep that relationship going. I think that's the next step for how we evolve as an industry is when we start looking at these touch points and, and the donor journeys and, and stop worrying about how much um, revenue each channel is generating and look at how it may be contributing to revenue being generated on others. But it sounds like uh, your work is definitely a step in that positive direction. Uh, John, are there any other trends that you think um, email fundraisers should be aware of or that you're seeing up and coming based on your work? Yeah, so there's there's actually a couple I've thought of uh, in, in two different in two different categories. So one that are one category is trends that are already happening now that that we can easily get on board with as nonprofits that we're seeing in other sectors 
um, that we can do as nonprofits. And then, um, and then I'll do trends that are kind of down the future. So, so the ones that are really happening right now from an email standpoint, and even, even maybe from even just a communication standpoint, uh, we're seeing a lot more personalization in email. And I say that, and, and when I say personalization, I mean go beyond first name in an email. Um, so maybe, maybe some examples of this. So I receive an email from my Google Maps that tells me where I've been for the month, right? It tells me the places I visited. It's personalized to me. It says, you know, John, you visited these places. This is your most common destination. You drove this many miles. You're this way, you know, you're halfway around the world. That's a personalized email. Uh, maybe think Spotify as well. It tells you your playlist. So we can do the same thing in email, uh, in nonprofit email, really. And actually, we are doing some of that in our organization. So we send out a volunteer email, which is personalized to the volunteer. So it tells them how many hours they worked, how many uh, people they've talked with, right? And those emails are getting a lot of engagement, right? And again, we're building that relationship. So personalization would be one. Segmentation. Smaller groups of people, from an email standpoint, move away from large sends and break those um, those emails into smaller groups. So, for for instance, for us, we will will segment from donors to non-donors. Um, but there's so many other different ways to do it based on geography or or volunteers or time of volunteers. Um, the other one I kind of mentioned already was um, automated emails. And triggered emails, so emails based on an action a person took. Um, maybe they fill out kind of like the welcome series, right? That's an excellent example of an automated triggered email. Uh, we can just set those up and then and then just tweak them as we need to. So if you're not using those, that's a big trend that's happening. And then real or live time content. So the the best way I can think about this, and I know some organizations use this, but I, but like countdown clocks in emails, right? So end of year is coming up very soon. You can have a countdown clock on the top. People love to come back and read those emails again and again and see, hey, has the time gone down? Um, you can do the same kind of thing with, with, with other things, but kind of real-time content. Uh, the other kind of trends to, to think about that are farther down the road, um, that are not as um, ingrained yet, and that there's still some work being done on them, but you can expect to see them in the future is uh, in video, videos embedded in emails. So right now, email, like if you wanna, if you wanna put a video on an email, you put the link to the video on the email and then you click the link and it goes to your webpage, right? Or you go to, or goes to YouTube. We're moving to a time where that video will actually play right on the email itself. So you just click the play button on the email and it'll play, you don't have to leave to go to another page. I, I see that being important really because if you have a video and then maybe you have a donate or an ask afterward, right? You don't have to leave the email to watch the video and you can just click right into the donate button or the donate link, right? The other thing that's really happening, beginning to happen is more interaction allowed on an email itself. So right now, emails, really, you click on it, and then, like I said, it kind of goes to a link uh, to a web page, and that's where you have the interaction, right? You, you, take, you click a link, it takes you to a form. You click a link, it takes you to a video. You click a link, it takes you somewhere else. Well, we are moving to a place 
or emails are going to be able to do that right on the email itself. So you can actually put forms right on an email. You can put surveys right on an email. If you're thinking of, uh, if you have an event, whether in, you know, a live stream event and you want them to RSVP, you can actually soon, one day, um, you can click on that, on that RSVP button and it'll automatically RSVP you. You don't have to go to another page to do it. Or you can fill out the form right on the email and it will automatically send you your, your free PDF. Or you could do a survey on there and you can just click maybe a radio button and it'll tell you your results. So yeah, that, that's pretty cool. And I think it's gonna be really pretty big for email to do, be able to do more on, on the platform itself. Yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of personalization and certainly um, reduction of, of friction that you're talking about, which um, is gonna be an amazing opportunity for digital fundraisers. Um, I think in, in what you were saying about being able to send um, videos and be able to personalize content, that makes um, original content that's being produced by the organization, whether it's videos or blogs or articles or things on the website, really important because if you can offer people this type of content and then track what they're looking at and then personalize the emails, I see that being a really compelling combination and um, kind of underscoring the importance of organizations thinking of themselves as uh, as content producers and that being a means to uh, eventually making for more efficient fundraising. Um, from an unsiloed perspective, the video uh, embedded in the email is really exciting because I think about, um, well, what if you can start sending automated thank you emails to donors? And even if you can't have a person record each one, although maybe you can, depending on the size of your organization, the ability of sending somebody a thank you email uh, in addition to what your thank you package in the mail. Um, just a lot of exciting possibilities there, but um, possibilities that are going to requ require a lot of coordination. But uh, it sounds like organizations such as yours are on the right track to be in a place to leverage this type of person, uh, this type of technology. Uh, John, yeah. in, in the few minutes that we have left, uh, wanted to get your take. We'd like to open the floor to all the guests that come on the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast so that you can um, lend your uh, your expertise and your perspective about what you feel the top issue is in fundraising today. So I'll gladly turn the floor over to you, John. Um, what do you think the top issue is in fundraising? Yeah, so for me and, um, and in my sphere, I would say it's actually communication. Uh, and it's it's no... It's, you know, just because that's where I come from. Um, we, we need to know where each individual is at on their journey, when to speak to them, when to listen, how to best reach them, and, and what they're passionate about. And, and that is a whole lot of information to have and to learn about one person. Um, but I think once we can do that, we can start, we can start um, producing better fundraising opportunities. And so... Uh, I often like to talk about, and you probably maybe even heard this before in, in some version or another, but um, I often talk about sending the right message to the right person at the right time. Uh, and that's a big deal. Um, and that if we can get all three of those things right, we can have a really great form of communication. Uh, and and it, But it's very, very difficult. And so 
I think from a communication standpoint is, is how do we customize and personalize, like we talked about earlier, how do we customize and personalize communications on a large scale? And that's the challenge um, that, that we're facing because you know email is a great way to, to, to communicate with a lot of people very easily, but how do you do it in such a way that it feels personal, feels person, first personable? Um, so yeah, we are, we're, we're looking for ways to communicate the message, but it needs to feel tailored to the individual. And I think as we learn to do this, um, as we can do these kind of those series, and as we add, adding in personalization and customization, um, it doesn't even matter if it's digital, whether it's digital or offline, the better we can communicate with people, I, I truly believe that we'll see an increase in fundraising. I agree. I, I think that the key to improving our existing relationships and bringing new people into um, the charitable sphere, which um, we all we all strive to do, is scaling these individualized uh, personal relationships. And it sounds like we, we already have a lot of data um, to do that. There's going to be much more of it coming down the pipeline and much more opportunities to capture it. Um, I think the real challenge is just having the systems and structure and procedures in place to be able to leverage that data. But I, I agree, I think that's something every fundraiser should be thinking about is how do we as close as possible get to personalizing a relationship with each individual donor? Well, John, this has been a very enlightening conversation. I know that I have two pages of notes from this and our offline conversation. <laughs> I know I've learned a lot from it, so I appreciate your perspective. And, and I'm sure the audience has learned a lot as well. If listeners would like to learn more about you or to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn, John J. Walsh. Uh, find me there. I'm happy to connect with you and chat more about nonprofits, fundraising, emails, you name it. I'm just happy to connect with people. And I'll definitely give a plug for John's LinkedIn page. Uh, he's one of those people on LinkedIn who every time I see a post, I make sure to take the time to stop and read it. And I almost always learn something new every time. So I appreciate uh, your content, what you're putting out into the nonprofit world. And I know it's making a difference in helping a lot of fundraisers. And uh, John uh, Walsh, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and uh, for all of the great information and perspectives that you've been able to share today. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure, Dan.